0: Section 162 of Childhood's Favorites and Fairy Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Julie Van Childhood's Favorites and Fairy Stories, by various authors. Section 162 The Haughty Princess, adapted by Patrick Kennedy. There was once a very worthy king, whose daughter was the greatest beauty that could be seen far or near. But she was as proud as Lucifer, and no king or prince would she agree to marry. Her father was tired out at last, and invited every king and prince and duke and earl that he knew or didn't know, to come to his court and give her one trial more. They all came, and next day after breakfast, they stood in a row in the lawn, and the princess walked along in the front of them, to make her choice. One was fat, and says she, I won't have you bear barrel. One was tall and thin, and to him she said, I won't have you, Ramrod. To a white faced man she said, i won't have you pale death and to a red-cheeked man she said i won't have you cuck she stopped a little before the last of all for he was a fine man of face and form she wanted to find some defect in him but he had nothing remarkable but a ring of brown curling hair under his chin she admired him a little and then carried it off with i won't have you whiskers so all went away and the king was so vexed he said to her now to punish your impudence i'll give you to the first beggar-man or singing strontschuch that calls and as sure as a house money a fellow all over rags with hair that came to his shoulders and a bushy red beard all over his face came next morning and began to sing before the parlour window when the song was over the hall door was opened the singer asked in, the priest brought, and the princess married to Beardy. She roared and she bawled, but her father didn't mind her. There, says he to the bridegroom, is five guineas for you. Take your wife out of my sight, and never let me lay eyes on you or her again. Off he let her, and dismal enough she was. The only thing that gave her relief was the tones of her husband's voice and his genteel manners. "'Whose wood is this?' said she, as they were going through one. "'It belongs to the king you called Whiskers yesterday.' He gave her the same answer about meadows and cornfields, and at last a fine city. "'Ah! what a fool I was!' said she to herself. "'He was a fine man, and I might have him for a husband. At last they were coming up to a poor cabin.' "'Why are you bringing me here?' says the poor lady.' This was my house, said he, and now it's yours. She began to cry, but she was tired and hungry, and she went in with him. Oh, there was neither a table laid out, nor a fire burning, and she was obliged to help her husband to light it, and boil their dinner, and clean up the place after. And next day he made her put on a stuff gown and a cotton handkerchief. When she had her house readied up, and no business to keep her employed, he brought home sallies, willows, peeled them, and showed her how to make baskets. The hard wigs bruised her delicate fingers, and she began to cry. Well, then he asked her to mend their clothes, but the needle drew blood from her fingers, and she cried again he couldn't bear to see her tears so he bought a creel of earthenware and sent her to the market to sell them this was the hardest trial of all but she looked so handsome and sorrowful and had such a nice air about her that all her pans and jugs and plates and dishes were gone before noon and the only mark of her old pride she showed was a slap she gave a bikini across the face when he asked her an impudent question well, her husband was so glad, he sent her with another creel the next day. But faith, her luck was after deserting her. A drunken huntsman came up riding, and his bees got in among her where, and made brush of every mother's son of him. She went home crying, and her husband wasn't at all pleased. "'I see,' said he. "'You're not fit for business. "'Come along. "'I'll get your kitchen-maid's place in the palace. "'I know the cook.' "'So the poor thing was obliged to stifle her pride once more. "'She was kept very busy, and the footman and the butler "'would be very impudent about looking for a kiss, "'but she let a screech out of her the first attempt was made, "'and the cook gave the fellow such a lambasting with the basm "'that he made no second offer. "'She went home to her husband every night, "'and she carried broken victuals wrapped in papers in the side-pockets.' a week after she got service there was great bustle in the kitchen the king was going to be married but no one knew who the bride was to be well in the evening the cook filled the princess's pockets with cold meat and puddings and says she before you go let us have a look at the great doings in the big parlour so they came near the door to get a peep and who would come out but the king himself, as handsome as you please, and no other but King Whiskers himself? "'Your handsome helper must pay for her peeping,' said he to the cook, and answer Jake with me. Whether she would or no, he held her hand, and brought her into the parlour. The fiddler struck up, and away went him with her. But they hadn't danced two steps when the meat and the puddings flew out of her pockets, every one roared out and she flew to the door crying piteously. but she was soon caught by the king and taken into the back-parlour don't you know me my darling said he i'm both king whiskers your husband the ballad-singer and the drunken huntsman your father knew me well enough when he gave you to me and all was to drive your proud out of you well she didn't know how she was with fright and shame and joy love was uppermost anyhow for she laid her head on the husband's breast and cried like a child the maid of honour soon had her away and dressed her as fine as hands and pins could do it and there were her mother and father too while the company were wondering what would be the end of the handsome girl and the king he and his queen who they didn't know in her fine clothes came in and such rejoicings and fine doings as it was None of us will ever see, anyway. End of section 162